Brilliant. Now, I'm really thrilled to welcome Chris to speak to us this morning as we continue our series. Chris, can I pray for you? Yes, please do. Yes, please, he said. (laughs) Father, thank you for Chris. I know that you have um, put stuff on his heart today. You've given him stuff to share with us today. And we just pray that we would have ears to hear what you want to say. We ask that you help him to share all that's within him in a way that we can hear and understand. And God, we long that what you speak to us will be something that changes us, something that frees us, and something that releases us to be more of the people you want us to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, um, how are you guys doing? Are you well? Uh, We are continuing our series this morning, uh, Authority and Calling. This is the first week that I've got to be part of it, and I'm very excited. It's actually the only week that I've managed to get in. Everybody wants to to talk on this series, and I got one week, so this is very exciting. Uh, I've really enjoyed this series uh, about Authority and Calling. This is week seven, and we've got two weeks uh, talking about uh, the calling part of Authority and Calling. Uh, and that's where, kind of where we're getting to now. So we have some uh, handouts at the front here. Can I have some volunteers just to kind of hand those out? That would be great. Uh, the other thing that you uh, probably may have forgotten all about by now, but it was something that we gave out at the beginning of the year, were these Authority and Calling Toolkit uh, booklets. Uh, basically, these are kind of follow-up material for the talks that we've been giving on a Sunday. So uh, this week, uh, we've got a few questions looking at uh, calling and uh, uh, week seven. So if you haven't already had one of these, we have a few available at the front here if you'd like to pick one up. Uh, if you've got yours with you, then well done uh, for bringing it. Um, but if you've got one at home, then just the idea is that you take it home and look it, through it and, and kind of work through those questions uh, sort of in, during the week as you kind of work out what we're talking about. So this week we're talking about uh, authority, uh, sorry, talking specifically about uh, discovering our calling. And we're kind of at the uh, what-must-I-do stage. We've had a lot of discussion about trusted rulers. We've had a lot of discussion about uh, the ways that we have authority in Jesus and have authority over particular things in the world and in our lives. We have discussions about strongholds and how sometimes things in our hearts can hold us back. Um, And now we're looking at kind of, what. okay, so, so given all of that, Given all of the kind of things we've talked about over the last six weeks, uh, what must we do and what do we practically do about some of those things? And I specifically want to ask you today, as you're kind of thinking about this, uh, what do you think of when I say calling? What does that mean to you? Or what does that word mean to you? Uh, it's banded around in our society, isn't it, in our culture. I was reading an article uh, the CNN uh, ran last month. It was about a, a Ugandan phone engineer who's now decided to become a stand-up comic. And, and it's interesting, the, the headline was, um, uh, Phone Engineer Finds His Calling. It's kind of an interesting thing to say, isn't it? But that's the kind of use that it has in, in, in the world around us, doesn't it? Uh, they, he said he's found his calling in comedy. It, may, kind of made, it was a good headline, I think. But it's interesting that, that the idea of being called to something, if it's comedy or something else, is kind of embedded in us. Okay. So there are a number of different um, misunderstandings about calling that I kind of want to, uh, to talk through, and then we're going to look at exactly what, what I think it is and, and what the Bible says that calling is. Uh, so for some people, as you can see on the screen, they're kind of waiting for this experience. I don't know about you. Um, if only God would just tell me what I'm for. If only God should just tell me what I should do with my life. Only, if only I could get some kind of idea about, you know, what I'm made to do. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was around 
18 uh, as a, a reasonably new uh, Christian. I'd, I'd been raised in a Christian home, but it had become real to me just a, two or three years before. I was uh, consumed with these kind of questions. What should I do with my life? What should I do with myself? You know, what, what is it? If only God would just kind of hit me with an exact plan for the next 30 years, that would just be amazing. Um, that, that was the kind of the common refrain in my prayers. I said it over and over again to him. Um, now, for other people, it's kind of the opposite. If only, if only God doesn't tell me to become a monk. <laughs> Please, God, I will do anything except <laughs> become a nun or become a missionary or have to go to Africa. I really don't want to. Uh, so there's that kind of approach as well that we have sometimes, isn't it? And, um, and I'm not obviously saying that it's wrong if you feel that that's what God's telling you to do. That is amazing. Um, but there are many of us who, who kind of almost have this fear. I was talking to some people uh, the other day. Is, if only God isn't calling me to be single, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and, and ultimately, it's much more complicated than that. Uh, and, it, um, and, and, that's, and both of those kind of approaches are actually quite simplistic and, and ultimately uh, not really what the Bible talks about at all uh, when it comes to calling. Um, so the problem is, though, is that it's really important to us that we have some sense of our purpose and direction in life, isn't it? It's really important to us that we have some sense of calling. And that's really where those questions uh, and the desire for this kind of experience comes from. Uh, For without a good kind of sense of who we are and what we're made for, we kind of drift aimlessly through a life of misery, to be honest. You know, if we don't understand... Uh, why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing, then it can be pretty miserable. And many of us maybe feel like that. Maybe we'd feel that we don't, or we're afraid of drifting through our lives and in some way having wasted them. You know, and that, that's, a, that's certainly a deep fear for me. And I'm sure that, that for many of you that, that may be true. And that's something that I, I do have to bring back to God. So in order to understand exactly what is this thing about calling, it's not, it's not as simple as being called to Africa or being called to be a missionary or you know, Mother Teresa being called to, to, to India or something like that. It's more complicated than that. Um, but what is it? Uh, but we have to have it. What, what is it? Uh, it drives us. So, so let's, uh, let's try and unpack what that looks like. So a good place to start is to look what Jesus said about calling. This is a, a great, I think these are great pictures. There are, I found them online, just like a whole a slideshow of different kind of shots from Jesus's life. Because often when you look at pictures of Jesus, he kind of looks all uh, white, to be honest, <laughs> and, um, with long flowing golden hair, or, or maybe even dark hair if you're lucky. But, um, but he, he wasn't white, he was Middle Eastern. And, uh, and I think that these particular pictures just really kind of, for me, work well for, for um uh, for kind of getting a sense of what it must have been like uh, when he was actually walking around. So this, this picture is actually taken on the Sea of Galilee. Obviously, it's acted. Uh, but um, you've got, <laughs> obviously. But I think it is taken in the right place. Obviously, time travel is not a thing. So, um, but I think, I just love, I love the picture of, of I think this guy's supposed to be Peter here, right? I love, I love his kind of, he's just, he's just messy, isn't he? Look at him. He's filthy. He's obviously been out fishing, which is kind of expected. Um, but this is kind of uh, uh, one of the, I guess, the most famous uh, pieces of, uh, of, of the Gospels where the very first uh, followers of Jesus were called by him. So it seemed like a good place to start. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus, as is typical, uh, does something completely unexpected. I don't know. Have you actually read the Gospels? I mean, I don't know. I, I find them, uh, I'm 
rediscovering them at the moment. I'm, I'm trying to work my way through them just as stories, just reading them as stories. And he's just, he just does this crazy stuff. Like he turns up at a seashore, very unlikely spot for some kind of religious teacher. Certainly, if you wanted to be a religious teacher in those days, you kind of taught at the synagogue and hopefully a bunch of pious, devout people would follow you around and then you would teach them and then they would teach other people. But he didn't do that. He turned up at a fishing shore, which probably smelled terrible, you know, early in the morning, talking to these guys, mending their nets and ask a bunch of them to, to come with him. I mean, that's just completely crazy, if you think about it. These guys have absolutely no religious qualifications at all. You know, they probably didn't know their Bibles very well. You know? Um, now, it's interesting that Jesus called many people to follow him. If you look through the, the stories of the gospel, Jesus is actually, it's not just that he's calling these people. He calls a number of people to follow him. And, and some of them just go, yes, and they leave, like these guys. Other people... Uh, don't do that. Other people say, oh, yeah, but I just need to do this thing or I just need to do that thing. Um, and he just goes, sorry, you know, I'm leaving. If you're coming, that would be great. <laughs> but but he, doesn't, he doesn't kind of wait for them. You know, he doesn't wait for them to sort themselves out. He doesn't wait patiently. He's sort of walking along. And it's, if you're coming, then, then come. But if you're not, then I'm leaving, you know? And, and in, that, in those days, there was a definite sense that if he moved on to another village, you might have missed him. That's why crowds of people followed him around. You know, they couldn't just tune in later for the live stream or the, the YouTube archive. You know, it didn't work like that. Um, so what did Jesus actually say when he was calling these guys? And this is really instructive as to what calling means. Uh, this is from uh, the book of Matthew, which is one of the, the stories, the accounts of Jesus' uh, life on earth. And there are four in the Bible, all telling a from a slightly different perspective. Um, and this is one of them. And it's, it's, in case you're not familiar with the Gospels, it's named after the person who wrote the book. So Matthew is the guy who wrote it. Uh, so uh, Jesus says, follow me, and I will teach you how to sit in church and listen to great talks and spend lots of time singing wonderful songs. Jesus says, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. What does that even mean? Follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's a really odd, very strange, probably never been used before expression at that point. But something about what he said to them caused them to leave and follow him and give up everything. What was it? What was it about what he said? Now, it's interesting that he didn't call them, like I said, to a life of sitting in church. He didn't call them to a life of even prayer, although obviously prayer is important. He called them to service. He called them to do things. His part of his calling to them, and this is the first encounter that they had had with him, was according to a life of doing things, a service, of following him. Um, so Jesus' calling to us today isn't one to come and attend church. Come along to church. That will be a great place. And it is a great place in many, many ways. It isn't according to believe a certain set of teachings um, so that you might, if you manage to get them all in the right order, at the final day you take an exam and you get into heaven. That's nothing to do with it. Jesus' calling is to come and join him in his mission. He called people to a life of serving him and following him around and doing the stuff that he was doing. It's as simple as that. Um, 
in case this isn't obvious, he kind of makes it much clearer later as well. Uh, this is um, a, long, a long while later when he's talking to his disciples. They've been hanging around with him for a couple of years now. And this is kind of the sucker punch, really, for, for what, he, what he kind of is calling them to. He said to them when they were arguing about who was the best disciple, pretty much, uh, who would, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the, the point about this is that actually this was before he died. So he was predicting his own death, his own giving his life um, as, as a ransom, as a, as a price for many people. So he was already predicting to them, although they completely missed it, uh, what actually was going to happen to him. So Jesus makes this really clear that actually he's calling us to a life of service. He's calling us to a life of following him. There is no Christian walk that isn't one of serving him and following him and serving other people. Um, and in case this wasn't enough, he also says this um, in a different account. Whoever, only those who throw their lives away or throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. You don't get much clearer than that. Um, now, sometimes when we read stuff that Jesus says, it makes us feel uncomfortable. I don't know about you. It certainly makes me feel uncomfortable. It challenges me to my very core. So then I turn to Paul and see how he interpreted it for us um, as non-Jews to see if that makes any difference. Unfortunately, that's no better. Um, when Paul talks about it, talking to his friend Timothy in a letter, he says, Jesus saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, because that was his plan. Okay, So he chose us and saved us for his holy work. Okay, And then later, it is God himself who made us what we are and has given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned we should spend these lives in helping others. So we can't, we can't get around it. You know, our lives are one of service and helping others, teaching others, um, discipling others, spending time with others, giving our lives, spending our lives on behalf of Jesus. That is what the call is. It's not about, oh, yeah, we could go along to church occasionally and spend some time hanging out and making some new friends and enjoying all the fun things, the activities that we do. That's, that's great. And, and if you are in a place where you're not ready to accept this uh, or that's not something you want to do, you are very welcome to come and hang out with us. Um, but this is where we're going. This is why we're here and this is what we're for. We're called to follow Jesus. So what do we make of this? Um, what does this mean for us? The first thing, which is kind of obvious from the Bible, is that we are all called to full-time Christian ministry. I don't know about you, but that was the common thing amongst my youth group when I was 18, uh, being growing up in a Christian. Who of us are called to full-time Christian ministry? And you might be thinking yourself today, am I called to full-time Christian ministry? Well, I can tell you the answer. It's very easy. Yes, you are called to full-time Christian ministry. Um, you may not be called to be paid for it, but you're certainly called to full-time Christian ministry. So you can stop asking that question. Hopefully that one's easy for you now. Um, so this is a part of our calling to follow Jesus, to do what he did and to serve him. Okay. Now, there's an interesting word here, ministry. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of this word. Um, people kind of tend to bandy it around. And, and people outside the church don't know what it means. It's like, is that the ministry of sound? Is that the foreign ministry? I don't know. Um, now, let's have a look at what it actually means. So um, the Bible obviously wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And this is the or parts of it were written in Greek. And this is the word that is actually used uh, that is translated ministry. Um, it's pronounced uh, diakonos. Get me. Um, so it's, um, I had to look that up. I don't speak any Greek. Uh, but um, it's translated uh, minister. Um, it's also translated freely as servant or uh, as deacon, which roughly correlates to pastor. 
so it's interesting that ministry is the same thing in the Bible as service. So instead of saying we are all called to full-time Christian ministry, it might be more accurate to say we're all called to full-time service. Okay, that's what we're called to. The other thing uh, that this means is that uh, pretty much this kind of uh, way of following Jesus and doing things for him and spending our lives on behalf of others is the key to a fulfilling life. As Jesus said, only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. That verse is on your sheets. Okay, so you might want to ignore that one if that one's kind of tricky for you, if you're quite comfortable with keeping hold of your life and not throwing away for him. Uh, but unfortunately, Jesus also says the same thing almost exactly in Matthew 10.39, Matthew 16.25, Luke 9.34, and Luke 17.33. So really, if you want to read the accounts of Jesus, you can't avoid the fact that this is, a, this is the key to life. Um, this is challenging stuff, and it's challenging for me. Um, and the reason that this is the case is the same reason that um, this particular uh, picture looks like this. Does anyone know where this is? Alien planet, maybe? Does anyone know where this is? This is actually a picture of the Dead Sea, funnily enough. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, look at all that salt. Uh, does the Dead Sea have any life in it at all? Does anyone know? People are shaking their hands. You're right. The answer is no. Does anyone know why? Oh, sorry. What was that? Because of the salt. I think I heard a general murmur. That's true. Why is there loads of salt in it? Because there is no outlet. There is no stream. There is no nothing taking the salt away and, and taking it downstream. So the Dead Sea over millennia and aeons has become devoid of life. Um, not too far away, there's this place, which is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is a large freshwater lake, which until recently um, or, uh, has always supported hundreds and hundreds of fishing boats. Um, there's so much life in this, in this sea. And the reason that is geographically is because there's an outlet. There's a stream coming out of it. Without an outlet, uh, the lake dies. Without an outlet, uh, the heart dies. Without some kind of outworking of what we think and what we do, uh, and without some kind of uh, life uh, purpose and mission and throwing away our lives on behalf of others and behalf of Jesus, you know, our heart crystallizes and, and salts up. You know, and that's just, that's just fact, and most of us know that to be true. Um, Jesus is just stating the obvious. The third thing that I want to talk about that the Bible talks about is that every type of ministry and service is important. Um, in Corinthians, there's a verse on your sheets there about uh, the different types of the body. Many of you will know this verse. It's a famous section of a letter that Paul wrote to the early church. Uh, what a strange thing the, a body would be if it only had one part. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. Um, many of you will know that's true. Um, it's interesting. There's a, a, a great analogy in, in lighting in a house. This light is a chandelier. It's very, very grand. Um, is it the most important light in the house? Probably not. It's very impressive and it looks great. Um, I would say this is the most important light in a house. When you say, especially if you have little children, this is the one that stops them from being afraid when they have to get up to go to the loo. <laughs> this is the one that stops us from stubbing our toe. It's very small. It only comes on at night and it's very unassuming. Um, it's just as important and probably more important uh, than this one. So every type of... Um, 
service is important. And, we, and it's really important that we, we state this as often as we can. We believe wholeheartedly in the concept or, or the idea that everybody gets to play in this church. Everybody gets to pray for the sick. Everybody gets to tell people about life in Jesus. Everybody gets to serve the poor. Okay. Um, the flip side is that everybody also gets to serve the coffee, set the chairs out, and put out cones for car parking. Everybody gets to do that, including me, including Nigel and Joe, including everybody else. Um, everybody gets to do that stuff. You know, there's a great quote. I'm not sure who, who it came from before. Uh, it was a leadership quote I heard years ago, which said that the best pastor is the one that stacks the chairs. I don't know who said that. It might have been John Wimber, but I don't know. Um, so the question then becomes, if those things are true, if we're all called to full-time Christian ministry or service, um, if every type of service is important, and if this is really the key to a fulfilling life, what are we actually fit for? What should we actually do? Um, and the answer is there's this really great thing that Rick Warren has put together, which is on the reverse of your sheets, uh, called Shape. And I don't have time to talk through this in lots of detail, but I'm just going to just very briefly go through it. And it's a great way of just figuring out what we're good at and what God may be calling us to do specifically um, to serve him. So just very quickly going to go through it. Uh, spiritual gifting. And I'd really encourage you, if you want to make notes as you're going, um, please do do that. Um, but I'd encourage you also to take this away with you and have a think about it. And we'll come back to it next week. Um, so spiritual gifting. What spiritual gifts? That's things like prophecy, words of knowledge, miracles, healing. God, has God given us for the benefit of other people? Um, have you asked him what they are? Uh, you might be surprised. Um, so spiritual gifting is the first part of who we are and helping us to do, think about what we might be called to. Uh, the second one is heart. You can see there's a, there's a whole uh, acrostic going on here. Uh, so our hearts, what desires, hopes, interests, dreams, ambitions, and affections do you have that you can do for God's glory? Uh, what do you do for the sheer enjoyment of it? Third one, abilities. What are you naturally good at with little effort, uh, no matter how small or insignificant it might feel? Fourth one, personality. Are you introverted or are you extroverted? Do you love routine or do you love variety? Are you a more feet in the ground person or more of a head in the clouds kind of person? Uh, do you more think things through or are you the sort of person who feels things deeply or maybe a bit of both? How does this affect how you and where you use your gifts and abilities? Um, and it's great to consider these things to try and figure out what God may be calling us to. And the last one is experiences. What lessons did we learn growing up? What life position do we find ourselves in? What's the job that we're in at the moment? And what have we learned doing it? You know, are we a parent? You know, are we a carer, a full-time carer for a member of family? What have we learned from that? How, has God ser how have we served God in the past? What were our favorite school subjects or the favorite things that we did for money? Uh, what problems... What hurts, what trials have we learned from? So those are just some ways that we can think about what we're called to. Um, but one thing I do really want to state, uh, just as we kind of come, come into land here, is that uh, this is not something that we get and then move on from, like I was praying and hoping for when I was 18. Um, calling is a continual conversation uh, between us and God. Um, even for those, even for those people like, for example, Mother Teresa, many of us, when we think about calling, immediately think of Mother Teresa. I certainly do. Uh, you know, she actually wrote that her calling was not as straightforward as that. 
Okay, she uh, described her mission to uh, the poor in Calcutta when she started that as a call within a call, showing that she also had this dialogue with God and this kind of uh, com- ongoing conversation. It wasn't just a big bang thing for her. God didn't just reveal her life to her. You know, that's not how it worked. Um, my story is that I remember uh, at the age of 18, I really felt that God was calling me to be a pastor. I really felt that quite strongly. Um, now, my assumption was uh, that um, I would therefore become one uh, church leader within about three years. That was my assumption at the age of 18. I thought I'd be a church leader at 21. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I was asked to lead various home groups at the age of about 20. I was asked to lead worship uh, about that age too and, and did lots of worship for services um, and then oversaw a whole section of, of the church, not this church, the church I was going to at the time, uh, a whole section of one of the services uh, at the age of about 21 or so. Um, and I thought that I was on the right track. I thought that that's where I was going. Uh, funnily enough, though, about six months later, I had a very nice conversation with one of the church staff there who actually asked me to step back from all of that and give it up. Um, he didn't kind of tell me why, but basically I knew that I was doing a terrible job. <laughs> Basically, I was, I was actually a very arrogant young man at that time and had quite a lot of, of issues. Unfortunately, my character had yet to catch up with what God had, was talking to me about my calling. Um, and actually, I went through a, a period where we moved here. Um, I spent some time um, doing a lot of learning and healing and growing. Uh, I had children and now uh, calling to be a father was also there in the mix. Um, then I worked part-time for this church, uh, overseeing worship in about 2005. And then I stepped down back from that, went through some more setbacks, some more trials in our family, um, a lot of learning, a lot of lessons. Um, now I work two days a week for this church. Um, I'm a part-time consultant, uh, teaching programmers what to do, and a part-time video games developer. Uh, I didn't expect any of that to happen at the age of 18. I had no clue that that was all going to happen. Um, uh, but what I'm doing is trying to continually walk step by step and figure out what God is calling me to. Um, I know that he's calling me to to pastoring. I don't know if that's going to be a pastor. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. It doesn't matter because I know that I am where he wants me to be. Because ultimately we're all called, aren't we? We're all called to something. We're all called to follow him. We're all called to spend our lives on his behalf. And that's just what I'm trying to do as best I can. Um, you know, so if you are in a position where you're just not sure what you should be doing, just do something. Just do one thing. Maybe try something at the back that you've never tried before. You never know. Maybe you've just got a heart for uh, suddenly God's been speaking to you today and maybe he's talking about youth. Think, oh, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to hang out with those guys. I'd love to spend some time with them and maybe encourage them in their faith and whatever. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's um, welcoming people you don't recognize. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I've forgotten loads of them. Sorry about that if I've forgotten yours. But you know what I mean. There's, there's lots and lots of things out there uh, that, that we could just try. It's a continual conversation. You could say, oh, God, maybe this is for me. And if you don't get an answer, try it out anyway and see if it is. And maybe it is. Do you know what I mean? Um, often God will, will not necessarily give us a big bang moment because he wants us just to figure it out because he's given us a brain, you know, and he will show us the things that are right. Um, so, yeah. So just to kind of summarize, I don't know if, uh, like I said at the beginning, you've read the Gospels recently, but this guy, uh, Jesus, was a pretty radical person. Um, he pretty much turned the whole established order upside down. And in some ways, we are all like uh, that fisherman guy, aren't we? You know, we're a bit grubby, up to our knees in our own lives and circumstances. <laughs> and Jesus gently asks us, doesn't he? Just come. Just come. 
Come away from all that stuff that you think you're doing that's important. Just, just come. Just come. So he called, like I said at the beginning, he called many people to follow him. Some of them left everything. Some made a bunch of excuses. Some were pretty good excuses. What are we going to do? So it's not about, and it's very clear from what Jesus says, and I'm only saying what's in the Bible. Um, it's very clear that uh, Jesus does not call us to kind of fit him into our lives somewhere. He does not hang around for us particularly. You know, he's, he's doing stuff. He has a mission. He's saving this world. And the question is, are we going to join up? No. Are we going to go and do what he's doing? Are we going to um, uh, fit into his life? Or are we going to try and fit him into our lives? Right? Are we going to try and kind of uh, stick him on the sun- in the Sunday slot for our lives? You know, maybe that's what we'll do on a Sunday and we'll do other stuff in the week. Or I- actually, are we going to fit into his mission for our lives? That is so much more exciting. By the way, if you try to fit him in your life, it won't- he won't fit. That doesn't work. <laughs> I've tried that. Um, so... Uh, where can we serve and where can we fit into his mission? You know, that's what calling's about. He's calling all of us to a life with him. You know, where can we fit into what he's doing? For me, that's incredibly exciting and it's worth living for. How many of you guys know this picture? It's painted by a guy called Holman Hunt uh, about 150 years ago. Um, this is a, a picture of Jesus standing at a door and knocking at it. Um, the door's got a bunch of brushwood and, and, and reeds kind of up against it, and there is no handle on the outside. There is no pressure from Jesus to do anything. It's up to us what we choose to do with our lives. And the door can only be opened from the inside. So I really feel, we were praying about this uh, earlier in this week, and we really feel that uh, there are some people here, maybe you've been sitting in church for quite a while, but you've never actually said, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to give, when we say give our lives to Jesus, that's quite literal. <laughs> I've never actually decided to live in his way rather than in my own way. You know, maybe you're the person who's kind of fitted Jesus into your life right now, but you've never decided to try and fit into his life. Um, maybe you've hesitated in the call to follow him wholeheartedly. So I think there's maybe a number of people here for whom that is really true today. And if that's you, I'd love you to pray, pray along with me in a minute when we, when we pray. And we get you all to stand and we'll pray in a minute. And for some other of you, I think maybe God is calling you to something new, something fresh, something that you're un- not expecting him to do. And I don't think that's anything to do with age. You may think that you've spent a life of doing lots of different things, and, uh, but actually maybe you, you, here you are in your 50s, 60s, 70s or 80s and God is calling you to something new. He does that. You know, that doesn't, don't, don't write your life off. He certainly doesn't. Maybe that's you today. Maybe he's just giving you another piece of the conversation, that continual conversation. So should we stand? I'd love to just spend some time praying together and responding to that. Um, so for those of you who really feel that God is, that Jesus is knocking, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today. <laughs> It's a classic evangelistic line, but, but I'm, I don't want to make it a heavy thing. I just, I, I, for, you, for those of you who that's happening, you know that it's happening. You know, for the rest of you, that's fine. But for those of you who know that's happening, so I invite you to do, should we all close our eyes? And I invite you just to pray along with me if this is you, okay? Um, if you want to pray along with me, then go ahead. Jesus, I have never really given my life to you before. And I want to do that today. 
I want to serve you and follow you with all of my heart. I want to make your mission my mission. I want to say yes to your calling of me. And for those of you who are moving on, let's pray together. Father, I just want to uh, move on with you in my calling. I want to try something new. I want to say sorry for where I have limited your plans and your dream and your calling for me. Forgive me and show me where I can follow you. Show me where I can serve you. Amen. Can we have the band back? Is that okay? Um, if, if you've prayed that prayer and if you feel that God is speaking to you and you would love to have someone pray with you, stand with you in that, uh, moving on to something new, or if you have prayed that for the very first time, I'd love to invite you. Uh, we have a little bit of space here. Come, come down to the front. Um, someone who is, is trained to pray will come and, and pray with you and, and stand alongside you uh, in, that kind of, in that kind of step. So just let them know uh, what's going on, um, and that's great. So if you, if you want to respond, if you want to um, uh, say yes to God in, his, in the new thing that he's calling you to do, or if you want to come for the very first time, um, then do come to the front now and we will pray for you. Also, uh, we're a church that believes in praying for people and, and to see the sick healed. We believe that God does heal the sick today. So if you are sick, we would love to come pray with you. If you have something physical that's wrong with you um, or any kind of sickness, do come and we'll pray with you. And we'd love to do that. Or if you have other things you want to have prayer for, do come and get prayer.